Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. everybody it's been a while it's been about a week i apologize once again uh you know we, we had some troubles as you guys can tell i'm in a brand new room uh having to move around getting set up for the baby where we are so excited um you know having having a brand new life coming coming into this world and uh having to to go through the nesting process of setting up in a room and getting everything together has been uh has been experienced and been tiring, but uh, of course we have to stumble through some of the problems that we go through. And uh, moving, <laughs> moving all the way across your house uh, from your your uh, your modem does make it a little difficult. 
to stream. And so I apologize for Monday's night's show um, not existing. But nonetheless, here we are. Welcome in. I hope you guys have been well. Um, a lot of been go- uh, has been going on this week, and I'm excited to cover it with you. Um, we will be getting into the Democratic debates uh, both the first night and the second night of 10 each. So 20 candidates made the threshold in order to come out and talk. And uh, I, I think it's certainly worthy of, of discussing and, and getting into that. And so we will be going through that. That's going to be the big portion of tonight's show. But I do have a, a, a couple other smaller topics that we're at least going to hit and, and cover um, before we get into the big the big show, if you will. And um, so I will I will open up the call line during that time. So if you guys want to call in, feel free to do so. The number will be on the screen for those of you tuning in live. Um, for those of you guys checking in on the audio portion, uh, checking in on the uh, <clears throat> on the podcast, uh, you guys can always stream in live or catch us live um, here, Mister America, the Bearded Truth, on Mondays nights, Monday nights, and Friday nights when I'm hitting my schedule properly at around seven p.m. Eastern. So. In the future, if you want to come in live and you want to throw down your comments or call into the show, that'll be a good time. So Mondays and Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, uh, Spike and Matt both run their shows fantastically and beautifully uh, Tuesday through Thursday. So let's get let's get started with the, uh, the introductions, if you will. As I said, my name is Jason Lyon, Mr. Murka, the Bearded Truth. If this is your first time here, welcome in. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it so very much. Um, I am your neighborhood-friendly libertarian, talking about politics and social issues that, uh, that cover not just this country, but sometimes worldwide. And with that, <clears throat> me coming to you, I have to give a big thanks to Muddy Waters Media. Muddy Waters Media is what's given me a platform to come out here and give you my views, my opinions, and my stances on the things that are going on out there. And uh, so big, big props and big shout-out to Muddy Waters Media for giving me the opportunity. You guys can tune in to us on Facebook on Twitter, Periscope, YouTube Live. And then if you want to catch us on the replays, you can find us on any of your favorite uh, podcast apps at Muddy Waters Media um, or Muddy Waters of Freedom. Either way, you'll be able to find us, to check into us, and, and keep up to date on everything that we're doing. If you want to catch one of our older episodes, you can always find us at Muddy Waters of Freedom or MuddyWatersMedia.com. Both of those links will be working for a while. We will be transitioning over to MuddyWatersMedia.com uh, full time. So another quick transition, just, just trying to make it easier for all of you out there. So thank you guys all for joining in today. Um, I'm excited to be back. I'm, I'm sitting in my chair. I'm, I've got my beautiful computer screen right in front of me and i know that you guys are just as excited as i am about all of this so thank you guys all um let me make sure i've got my volume down before i open all this up uh thank you guys all for sharing this out for tweeting this for uh uh sharing on your facebook wherever you're helping us out growing thank you for that um, like I said, I've got a, a couple stories that we're going to cover before we get started. And being the neighborhood-friendly libertarian, we have to start with when the Libertarian Party, specifically the National Party, messes up quite heavily. <clears throat> so earlier this week, <coughs> pardon me, earlier this week, the LP National decided to tweet out something that is insanely stupid, insanely egregious, and... Uh, their tweet was, silence is consent. 
If you choose not to vote, then you are by default supporting the status quo. So that means that the LP National, on some things, believes that silence is consent. So Cardi B, Bill Cosby, when they, when they, you know, they helped people be silent, I guess it was just that they were helping them consent. Uh, this, of course, is disgusting in, in People go, oh, one's voting and one's one's infringing upon another. Well, at the same time, when you vote, and we'll get into the debates later, when you vote for whether it is the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, you're actually voting to infringe upon other people, to infringe upon their paychecks, to infringe upon their medical benefits, their uh the different markets that are here in this country. You're infringing upon them, and so by the same standard abstaining your vote, whether it's out of you're too busy or you don't find a candidate that's worthy, and rather than going all the way down, driving down to your your local voting booth and uh, hitting them up with that nota that none of the above, you just don't vote at all because none of the, uh, the potential candidates have earned your vote. What the LP National believes is that is you consenting. Now, of course, if you guys are big on the party platform of the Libertarian Party, um, 4.0 omissions. Here's what the LP National also believes. Our silence about any other particular government law, regulation, ordinance, directive, edict, control, regulatory agency, activity, or uh, machination should not be construed to imply approval. But if they're silent, it does mean that they consent. I don't understand. LP National, if you are supposed to be the consistent party out there, then why is it that you are going to contradict your own party platforms? Get it together. Stop being fools. And and I, I certainly think I know who put that tweet out. And, uh, you know, uh, if it was him, he already has enough people that don't like him. You're just growing that platform. You're just growing that plank of people not being a fan of you. Um, so it is what it is. Uh, the LP national screwing things up and showing that the states are much more important than any national, uh, platform out there. Uh, that one shouldn't be over here. That should be way over there. All right. <clears throat> All right. I want to move over to Illinois. Al- Illinois made a great move this last week with the bill HB 1438. It was signed by the Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. What this bill did was it made cannabis legal in the state for individuals 21 and over. Along with that, this is the important part. This is the absolute important part that I I am so thankful that they did, was that not only did they legalize marijuana and, and certainly possession crimes or no crime, because you have to have a victim in order to say that there's a crime, but they also had criminal Sweeping criminal criminal justice reform. Good job, CNN, on the proofreading. But uh, with sweeping criminal justice reform designed to help those lives who have been upended by the state's drug laws. So about 770,000 residents of the state with marijuana-related offenses on their criminal records have had those charges 
expunged. They have had them removed. And that's certainly the right thing, because if it's no longer a crime in that area, you want to take that away from people. You don't want to have that cloud hanging over them, preventing them from getting a, a job in, in any form of the market. If you say, hey, it's not a problem, then it shouldn't be a problem. And now that we have states, now that we have states across this country that are, are legalizing or decriminalizing uh, this drug, they should be moving in that same manner. And, and, you know, continuing down that path, because if you're going to say it's not a problem, then it shouldn't be a problem. And let's actually take care of the people that have been hit, that have been hurt by the legislation, by the government saying you don't actually get to control what goes into your body. But instead, we're going to hurt you, not only in in the immediate where we're going to throw you in jail or make you force force heavy fines upon you, but also hurt you long ways down the road. So continuing on, we have Project Veritas came out with a big bombshell. With Project Veritas, they had a new Google document that was leaked describing Ben Shapiro, Dennis Prager as Nazis using the dog whistles. It's always amazing. It's always beautiful to see somebody saying dog whistles, right? Because at the, at the, at the nature of saying that somebody else is using dog whistles, that means that you heard it. If you say, look at those white nationalists over there dog whistling to their base. Oh, look at that. They're, they're really just ramping up the rhetoric and they're, they're really getting people riled up and getting their blood boiling because, you know, racism and all these other things. It's like, how bad is your blood boiling that you could sense that? I don't hear dog whistles. I've never heard a dog whistle in my life. That's kind of why they're called dog whistles. Because it's not human whistles. If you heard it, that's on you. It's on you, boo-boo. I don't, I don't understand this, but nonetheless, so Project Veritas has obtained a newly leaked document from the Google that appears to show that the Google employee and member of Google Transparency and Ethics Group called conservative and libertarian commentators, including Dennis Prager and Ben Shapiro, Nazis. Ooh, you're right. You're right of the far left fringe group. You're a Nazi. Nazi. Brown shirt's in the mail for you. Brown shirt is coming in the mail for you. Ben Shapiro and Dennis Prager, regardless of the fact that both of these individuals are are Jewish, they both are practicing Jews, they both denounce Nazis, they both are attacked by Nazis, uh, more of the metaphorical or the vocal, Um, they certainly get slandered and hit by pieces um, on on Twitter, on social media, across the board, but, uh, you know, Google is out here to make sure that everybody knows that those those far-right individuals are, are Nazis. Jordan Peterson was also listed as this. And uh, it really does speak to... It's, it's kind of interesting that this is getting released the same time that um, we had um, the, the Donald on Reddit get banned. We've had a lot of, of, of big changes coming out, a lot of big... Um, aggressions upon people's characters coming out and uh it's all coming right around this the time of this first these first couple of debates right and and looking at the timing i think that it's very clear as to how this is interworking with one another maybe the google document that wasn't supposed to come out but when it comes to 
Reddit and the Donald getting quarantined on Reddit, basically getting removed and having all their content scrubbed and everything else. Um, it, it, I, it's got to be to where there's this orchestrated attack where you, you push out the left and certainly the moderators of the debates, and we'll, we will get further into that, we're pushing left-wing propaganda at the same time that across multiple platforms, the right is being denounced and being called the far right, the alt right, Nazis, white nationalism, what yada yada yada. Regardless of the race, the the ethnicity, uh, the religious uh, following that that people belong to, that there's this orchestrated event in order to drive the general public, the 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 less informed, the uneducated people in this country, drive them to the left and saying this is obviously how it is because the mainstream media is on board because there's so many Democrats out there that are saying this. And obviously the Republicans are horrible because they don't agree with these notions. They just want to see the, the, the oceans rise. They want to see um, all the people of color be separated and destroyed and killed and slaughtered. They, they you know, the, the list goes on and on. And and Google certainly, with some other drops from Project Veritas, have has made it clear that not only do they not care that they're going after people like this, but they want to make sure that in any way, shape, or form that they get to continue doing this. That Donald Trump from the 2016 election was so destructive to this country that they – that they at Google get to choose the algorithms, get to choose what content you get to see, and they get to silence people or censor people or shadow ban pages in order to make sure that they drive the people the way that they want it to go. They don't want to have an honest conversation. They don't want to, they don't want to discuss politics with you. They want to just literally silence you and shut you down. This is, this is purely like, I won't even say it's like 1984 stuff. This is this is stuff where you're actually going out there and promoting violence against others because you know that people are going to become outraged, and that's exactly what they want you to become. They want you to become outraged that you're being blocked, that you're being censored, that you're being deplatformed, that you're not accepted in all these different areas. So then that way, when they push you to the edge and you jump from that ledge and you fight back physically they point at you they point at those individuals those events and they say look see we were right we were absolutely correct on the idea that we needed to deplatform these people that we needed to push against these people because they're unacceptable in our country in our world in our society wherever whatever locality that they want to utilize they want to prevent this from going on rather than being able to have logical discussions and, and be able to to have the better idea survive. It's pretty damn telling when you can't even put up good arguments against others and you just say, well, you're wrong because you're wrong. So we're just going to go after you. I... I say here as as a as a right wing libertarian, as somebody that believes in no government um, or a very small government, very limited government, if needed at all. Um, and I look at this and I see so many people saying we have to have the government get involved. We have to have the government break up Google, break up these these different groups and these different organizations, and and really hold them to it. And 
my big thing is that if we look at the media um, media decency act from the government, the government is actually providing protection. They are providing protection for these media companies. They're allowing them to not only allow for, for speech to come onto their platform, but allow them to censor what the speech is on there and then still uh, not even call them a publisher. Not even, they are still just a, a, a free speech platform that allows for them to control what is allowed and what is not allowed. And so there's government protection on those things and nobody is really talking about the Media Decency Act. That needs to be repealed. That needs to be removed. Because when the government is providing protection for people who are doing these things, I need to be able to hold them accountable. When I'm being slandered, when other people are being slandered by these media companies saying, oh, you know, they said racist things. They said, um, they said homophobic things, transphobic things, whatever, whatever kind of offensive things that, that they're being alleged and it's provably false. Somebody has to be held accountable. And, and these platforms are not being held accountable because of the Media Decency Act. So it's a big, huge deal, and it's, it's, it's a massive problem. We covered last Friday, we covered the... Um, we covered what was going on in Oregon. Shifting gears, obviously. We covered what was going on in Oregon where... Um, the Republicans and the Democrats were coming in and the Senate was expected to have a bill talking about climate change and putting a cap on it and, and stopping, stopping the emissions and, and, you know, overturning the economy there in, in the pursuance of, of really making a drastic change in this, in this, in what they're producing, despite the fact that California produces a lot more, despite the fact that Texas produces a lot more, that New York, that a lot of these other states. But Oregon, by golly, is going to be doing their fair share. They're going to be doing their part in this. And so they wanted to pass the bill. And as we covered before, the Republicans had fled the state. There were Republican senators who had fled the state in order to make sure that they were not going to be uh, to ensure that there was not quorum there within the Senate. So that the bill couldn't even be be discussed, right? Without quorum, you can't put bills, you can't make motions, you can't really do anything um, with any actual value behind it. Um, since then, we had uh, Oregon Governor Kate Brown. She sent the police after the the Republicans, saying, "You have to do your jobs." And I want to I want to make a point here of what one of the individuals said. Um. One of the Republican senators had actually had sent a message basically to, to to Kate Brown saying, look, if you're gonna if you're gonna send the police after me, if you're gonna send the police to me, what you have to do is you better be sending bachelors. You better be sending bachelors and they better be heavily armed because I'm willing to fight for my life against being forced to being your slave. And and this is this is something that I have to take and I have to expand upon it with you guys, right? His actual quote was just send bachelors and make sure they're heavily armed. If you are going to force somebody to be a slave to you, right? I understand they're public servants, but if you're going to force them and you're going to threaten police violence against somebody to ensure that they do their job and you're not going to think about 
am I forcing people into this? And what am I doing here? No, no self-reflection, no reflection on the bills, just a matter of I'm going to go do this, right? I'm going to do this for the good of my people. Couldn't that senator also be doing this for the good of his people, the people that he represents? And we've gotten to this point where people are literally willing to risk their lives and risk the lives of others in order to be uh, to have a political win. So I have I have less issues with the Republican senator doing this, and 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 trust me, I have no problem if Democrats were to do this as well, but. I have more issue with the idea that you're going to send the police and and threaten violence against others and hold them and grab them and bring them in, right? Handcuffed or if they resist, you know, potentially killing somebody because we know how how the police are are when they take some people in. We I, I think this is undeniable at this point. Um, but if you if you think your vote is worth the life of somebody else. You might want to check yourself. And and so bravo to, to this guy. Um, he was uh, ex-Delta, I believe. So he, when he says, send the bachelors and make sure they're heavily armed, I don't think that he was, he was lying. I don't think that he was saying, you know, we're going to come over and have some tea. So send people that are going to create the less the the least amount of of victims outside of that, right? Obviously, it's going to affect the families, but it's not going to affect a, a wife. It's not going to affect children uh, of that sort. So he was at least saying, if you're going to do this, we're going ready for the bungalow. Like, are you ready? Because things are about to go down. And so I think he did the most respectful way of doing that. Um, but. It's just absolutely insane. It's absolutely insane knowing that back in Oregon in 2001, the Democrats did the same damn thing and nobody was will, nobody was sending the police. It's good enough for the Democrats to do it, but it's not good enough when the Republicans do it. Once again, we're seeing where there's a double standard, right? To, to give you another example of this, we saw this at the national level. We saw this when... Um, what was it? Harry Reid, Harry Reid from the Democrats. He was pushing to uh, basically filibuster Supreme Court nominees, right? You only need 51 votes. And Mitch McConnell stood there and he said, you're not going to like this. There's going to be blowback. And when it comes, you're not going to like it. Well, sure enough, that's how we got Neil Gorsuch and, and Justice Kavanaugh was they used the same plan. And you could see the Democrats. You could still hear the Democrats crying foul. You could still hear them saying that. Because, oh no, Mitch McConnell used our same tactics. If the Democrats want to do things because they're politically expedient for what they desire, they shouldn't be calling foul when it comes back around. I'm just saying. So, over there in Oregon, good job Republicans on throwing it back on them. But mm. while we talk about the cops and, and collecting people, uh, there was a story from the Free Thought Project. And I will certainly, if I remember to, I will drop that in the show notes afterwards. Um, but in Columbus, Ohio, there was a woman uh, named Martini Smith who had enough courage to fight back against her abusive boyfriend. She never thought it would end up with her being locked in a cage and tortured by police with a taser. Now it's not, it's not bad enough that she was getting uh, locked up for, uh, for fighting back against her abusive boyfriend, but this woman 
was also pregnant. She was half naked inside the cell, standing in, uh, on a concrete wall in Franklin County Jail when a Corporal Matthew Stice shot her in the chest with his taser. Her crime, she couldn't remove her tongue ring fast enough. So if you guys don't have uh, facial jewelry or jewelry within, on, in your tongue, especially with your tongue, it can be a little difficult to get out. It can, it can be a little slippery. Now make it worse when the fact that you've had your hands cuffed for the last while, behind your back to where you don't give very much flow, your hands go numb, and now you're trying to get something slippery out. So, after being ordered to take out the tongue ring, and she said that she couldn't she couldn't do it after having her hands cuffed behind her back for six hours and her numb fingers couldn't grip the stud to unscrew it, she pleaded with police to get her paper towel so she could get traction on the ring, but they refused. I will tase you, Bark Stice. I just want to go to sleep, she cried. Instead of getting the helpless pregnant woman a paper towel to help her remove the tongue ring, Stice barked his warning again and shot the taser directly into Smith's bare chest. The surge of debilitating electricity caused the mother to collapse into the concrete wall and then to the floor. Smith cried out in agony, gasping as he tried to maintain a bit of her humanity while being tortured half-naked by a male cop. Just five days later, that that baby, that life that was that was growing in her belly, miscarriage. She had a miscarriage five days later. So when we have something like this, if you're pro-life, this officer committed murder. This officer killed and ended another life. Because a woman could not get her tongue ring out. I I cannot believe this. Stories like this really just make you... I'm beyond livid about this stuff, right? Once police got all the facts of the case, the charges against Smith for fighting back against her abusive boyfriend were dropped. So out of this entire situation, she fought back against her abusive boyfriend and then was was tortured, effectively, by the police and, as a reward, miscarried their, or her child. What a beautiful world that is. I... Uh, mm. That is infuriating. Now, while we talk about an actual tragedy uh, there where life was taken, we have to we have to to bring back to Jussie Smollett for a second. Um, Jussie Smollett, if you guys don't remember, somehow he was the this is MAGA country uh, folks hate crime guy or faux hate crime guy. He uh, he was the guy in Chicago that claimed he had the noose wrapped around him, and two white people that happened to be Nigerian descent attacked him, threw a noose around him threw bleach on him, and said, this is manga country. Well, video came out of him still wearing the noose several hours later. Kind of ridiculous. And David Hogg, not to be not to be upstaged, David Hogg had to come out and go, oh, oh, you think that's bad? I've been the target of seven assassination attempts. Seven assassination attempts. Interesting. 
It's an interesting thought. I, I, I would love to see this corroborated. Um, there was there was an attempt of swatting at his house, um, but he and his family were gone. But I would I would be curious as to how valid that that allegation is that there's been seven assassination attempts on him, and he's proud of it. He's proud of it. He's proud of the idea that somebody would try to assassinate him because if they were to assassinate him, that would just embolden the movement. I'm just curious if they didn't use a gun, would it still embolden the movement? But nonetheless, I think that that really, um, if David Hogg wants to protect himself, certainly the police weren't going to be there because the police have been charged for the Stoneman High High uh, shooting that day for not getting involved and not getting uh, not neutralizing the threat earlier. Um, so the police aren't going to be there to interest you. So David Hall, could I interest you in maybe an AR-15, uh, a Glock, a Beretta even? But shoot, I mean, you can even go, go out and get one of those crappy little high points. If you want to protect yourself, if, if you're actually having people attempt to assassinate you, you might want to get something to protect yourself. David Hogg. Sit down. Let's let's think about this logically. If people want to come out and kill you, who's going to be the best person at defending you? Unless you have armed security 24-7, it's going to be you, bud. Just saying. You have a natural right to self-defense. Might want to exercise it. Especially if you've had seven assassination attempts. Hmm. He said about the death threats, I have to live through this, and it is traumatizing, but you eventually become desensitized to it. I could not imagine becoming desensitized to the idea that people are coming out in an attempt to assassinate you. could not imagine trying to make that unacceptable or become desensitized to that. Uh, pretty interesting thought process there. Uh, from today's news. Published six hours ago from Fox News, Jimmy Carter says investigation would show Trump didn't win 2016 election. He's in office because Russians interfered. Jimmy Carter, the slow bro from Pokemon, coming out and uh, well after the story's died and everyone's kind of given up on that. He's got to come out and stir the fire a little bit. There's there's a couple embers in there. They're so hot. Let's let's see if we can get a good fire roaring. So Jimmy Carter, the 94 year old Democrat was speaking at a Virginia forum moderated by presidential biographer John Meacham, who asked how the U.S. should deal with Russia interfering in the country's ability to have free and fair elections. Carter answered by calling on Trump to acknowledge the interference and condemn it. I do believe that President Trump has condemned it. He's even taken um, taken actions against Russia. Um, of course, the Democrats believe that every, anything and everything that Trump does against Russia is not enough. It shows that he's just Putin's, Putin's doll, you know, when you push sanct- sanctions against them. And uh, it's never going to be enough. He's got to just go into a full all-out war, and then they're going to go after him for getting into a war. So, uh, Carter says, I think a full investigation would show that Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election, was put into office because of the Russians interfered on his behalf. Now, this is a baseless claim. After the Mueller investigation, after multiple investigations involving the 2016 election, what we found out was that 
the Russian interference, the Russian meddling resulted in a in couple sponsored posts, a couple hundred people, a couple hundred people seen these posts and interacted with these posts. Um, but certainly not to the level, not to the extent that it would uh, sway the election in any way. Not to mention that there was Russian interference that was supporting Bernie Sanders, that was supporting Hillary Clinton, that was denouncing uh, President Trump, that was denouncing Hillary Clinton, and denouncing Bernie Sanders, and pushing for gun debate, whether it's gun control or gun advocacy. They, The Russians and their interference was for and against both sides, on all sides. Kind of interesting that a 94-year-old man wants to become relevant once again. But this, of course, comes at, at, right after Trump goes and sees Putin and uh, at the G20. And, and, of course, Trump and Putin are in the same ro- or room. So, obviously, they're rubbing shoulders. Um, Trump was obviously caught on a high, hot mic saying, look, after the election, I'll have a little more, sway, a little more sway. I'll have a little more control. I'll be able to do a little more. Sorry, I got the president wrong. That was Obama. Um but it, it, it just comes to a point where you go, can, can, can we move on? Can we just accept that that narrative, that that idea isn't, isn't going to be making it changing anybody's minds that's already paying it, that has been paying attention? And while we're on that case, while we're on that discussion, Robert Mueller has potentially lied to the public. Uh, before the last time that he had a press brief, he said that he would not be testifying before Congress. Um, and if he was to, he would be coming out and just testifying with what was it within the uh, the Mueller report, as it's been called. And so July 17th, a mere, what is that, 17, 19 days from now, um, Robert Mueller will be testifying publicly before the House Committee. So the Democrats are pulling in Robert Mueller. They got to keep that investigation going. They got to keep the narrative moving. They have to get Robert Mueller in front of the people um, in any way possible and, and keep asking questions that have already been asked time and time again. And uh, we will see if any new information comes out from it. But if Robert Mueller maintains his promise to the public that he's going to just talk about what is within that document, nothing new will come from this. It's just another wasted day in Congress. It's another day that the House is wasting your money. The money that they've taken from you by you working, by you buying products, services, goods, whatever it is in order to make your life, they take that money and they're allocating it to where they can just sit there and squander it and waste it. So thank you, House Democrats. Thank you for bringing Robert Mueller in. And uh, we will see if he's an honest man or if he is just merely a liar. All right. I think we've gone on long enough. I think that it's time that we go in to what the show, the big meat and potatoes of the show. So I'm going to open up the call in line. If you guys want to call in, feel free to call in. Feel free to. Um, we'll be covering it. I'm going to be doing as as much of a, a all-inclusive discussion about what was in um, what was in the debate. I'm not going to be talking about, you know, I'm not going to be slamming 
Kamala Harris for the hypocrisy of what she said of when she says, look, I've always been on this stance, but you know, in the past she was against it. Uh, I'm not going to be doing the, the quote unquote fact checks of, of how they were based on, on the past versus how they are now. You can find plenty of that um, based on which left leaning uh, media source you go to, because I really do believe that if you just go through the different sources, the different sites, you'll be able to find dirt on any of the Democrats because each one of them has a different Democrat that they really support. Um, but what I will be doing is I'll be going through and uh, I've got my notes here. We're actually going to be covering all of all of what was being said and everything else. Uh, we're going to cover what would be the results of those things. And and certainly if you guys want to call and you guys want to talk about the hypocrisy, you guys can feel free to do so. Whatever you guys want to talk about within this subject, or if you want to talk about something from before, uh, no, we're going to keep it on the subject. If you want to talk about something that you really felt strongly about or, or had thoughts on when it comes to this topic, feel free to call in on it. Um, but we will, we will go through, I'm going to, I'm going to knock out day one first, and then we will uh, move on over and uh, hit up day two afterwards. So day one was certainly an interesting one. I didn't find anything positive coming from day one other than one event. And um, let me see if I can, if I can pull up that exact video. All right. So I have it. This is, this is Mr. Ryan. So let me, all right. Here is where Tulsi Gabbard, the discussion of war, and if you guys missed what Tulsi Gabbard has been about, she's been getting a lot of of positive reactions from libertarians for her anti-war stances, her uh, non-interventionalism, um, the idea that somebody who has served this country in the military has gone overseas and, and served in, I believe it was Afghanistan, um, coming back and fighting against the idea of continuing these wars and getting fighting against getting into new conflicts. I think it just makes sense. Um, but Tulsi Gabbard comes out and she comes out swinging against the war with Iran, which was one of the questions, but uh, representative Ryan shows that he is a chicken hawk, just like the rest of them. So here we have Mr. Ryan talking. That's $130 million that we could be spending in places like Youngstown, Ohio, or Flint, Michigan, or, re or rebuilding. Congresswoman or Gabbard, rebuilding. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, actually, to is jump off what he said. He described will, engagement as the problem. you will tell the parents of those two soldiers who were just killed? This may not be the right video. just have to be engaged. As a soldier, I will tell you, that answer is unacceptable. We have to bring our troops home from Afghanistan. We are in a place in Afghanistan where we have lost so many lives. We've spent so much money, money that's coming out of every one of our pockets, money that should be going into communities here at home, meeting the needs of the people here at home. We are no better off in Afghanistan today than we were when this war began. This is why it's so important to have a president and commander in chief who knows the cost of war and who's ready to do the job on day one. I am ready to do that job when I walk into the Oval Office. Thank you very much. Listen, I'm going to go down the line. I'm going to go down the line. I'm going to go down the line here. 
Well, you know what? You felt you felt like she was. Oh, this is good. Seconds, good this is it. I hear what you're saying. I would just say I don't want to be. I don't want to be engaged. I wish we were spending all this money in places that I've represented that have been completely forgotten, and we were rebuilding. But the reality of it is, if the United States isn't engaged, the Taliban will grow, and they will have bigger, bolder terrorist acts. We have got to have some present there. As, the the as Taliban was Iraq. there long before we came in. They'll yeah, be and they there were, long yeah, before we exactly. leave. Well, we cannot keep you deployed to Afghanistan thinking that we're going to somehow squash this Taliban I that has say, been there that I didn't every say other country that's them. I didn't say squash them. When we weren't in there, they started flying planes into our buildings. Get ready for it. He's talking about flying uh, planes into buildings. She's about to drop a bomb. So I'm just saying right now, the we Taliban have an didn't attack us on 9-11. Al-Qaeda I understand that. I understand that. No, you don't. Did you see the look on his face? He, he was like, oh, no. I understand That's why I and so many uh, people joined the military to go after Al-Qaeda, not the Taliban. The Taliban. If you are going to be, uh, <laughs> if you're going to be a, a chicken hawk, if you're going to be a warmonger, if you're going to say, look, we need to be more engaged in the Middle East, at least know what the hell you're talking about. If you're going to accuse the Taliban of, of crashing planes into the buildings, if you're going to just say it's just all Muslim extremists and not understand the difference between the, the Shiites and and the Shias or, or uh, nope nope that was not the name Sunnis there we go thank you babe got one from the peanut gallery um, if if you're not even going to know the difference between the different religious groups there and and how they function and how they they compete against one another uh, don't don't come out there and, and talking on the presidential uh, debate. Don't be acting like you know anything, especially when you have somebody there who has been working tirelessly and has been raising the issue of getting us the hell out of the Middle East where our rights and freedoms are not at stake, but instead the interest of the of of the deep state, if you will, of big government, of of those who just enjoy the comforts of war. She's been fighting against them, and and this was a beautiful case. Now, I do have to say, when it comes to Tulsi Gabbard, there's a lot of people that look at her anti-war stance and are like, she's fantastic, she's beautiful, let's take her on, she needs to be the next president of the United States. She is not a great presidential candidate. She is a great person when it comes to foreign wars. When it, when it comes to foreign policy, she's she's got that much better than, than really anyone on the Democratic side and and really most people on the Republican side. Um, there's not many people that, that that are going to be topping Tulsi Gabbard. When it comes to her internal affairs, yes, she is a fan of Medicare for All. Yes, she is a fan of abortion um, through and through. Uh, she's She's got big plans for stopping climate change. She's got a lot of things that uh, are not in the interest of, of individual liberty, of the country, of of you being able to get the best, best health care. There's a lot of things that she stands uh, staunchly against. And so that's that's a it's it's not a good move. Uh, I want to go to your comments real quick. Spike Cohen says Tulsi is the Dem Trump. She's the Democratic Trump. She's good on maybe one or two issues, and that's it. She's cute though. Love love the rogue hair highlight. 
Yes. Uh, and, and if I, if I could, everyone, please wish the Mr. Spike Cohen, who is living up in, uh, Canada land right now. He is up there with the moose, the moose. And, uh, it is his birthday. So, uh, happy birthday to you, young man. Uh, even the peanut gallery over there is calling you out, uh, with the happy birthday. And, uh, I hope, hope, uh, hope you're enjoying it. Nice Friday night. You and the, you and the lovely missus. Hopefully get to enjoy that. Uh, Dave Hunter says, but she is anti-Second Amendment, isn't she? That's a real deal, deal breaker for me. She's more than just anti-Second Amendment. I mean, really, if you if you want to get down into it, and, and certainly I've got to use this soapbox real quick uh, because somebody mentioned the Second Amendment. There's nobody, nobody that I can find in Congress, nobody that I can find in the presidency um, that is actually pro-Second Amendment. That is actually with the intent, the tenor of what the Second Amendment was, uh, to actually embolden and to empower the individuals in this country to actually have the quote-unquote weapons of war, to have what the military utilizes. I don't see anybody out there fighting for this uh, for this motion to actually restore our Second Amendment. And so, therefore, by default, everyone kind of is uh, anti-Second Amendment. Um, so big ups for, um, for Tulsi Gabbard there. Oh, I missed that story. Oh, well, I'll cover that at the end. Um, so anyways, so I want to, the first question opening up for the, the first night of debates, it was very interesting because the question was, was basically uh, 70% of Americans believe that our economy is doing good. Please debunk this statement for me, every Democratic candidate. Please come out here and debunk this. And of course, Elizabeth Warren, who is, uh, second place for the most questions asked on the first night, uh, only being led by Cory Booker, uh, was the first one to answer. And she said, look, it's not, it's not good. It's good for the stock market. It's good for uh, the people at the tippy top. But it's not good for the average American. It's not good for the unemployment numbers, right? This is, this is where we are going off into where it is actually good that she is she didn't say but ignoring true the the facts of the situation saying that the economy is not good because we have record low unemployments regardless of race that we have uh stock markets growing gdp has been growing at a higher rate than it ever was during the obama administration these are not great things right climbing out of the Climbing out of the 2008 housing market crash, Obama was incapable and, and Congress was incapable of getting the government out of the way in order to allow for the market to, to come back, to be strong and to, to prosper. And now that Trump came in and has been cutting regulations, he's helped that out. When he cut the taxes, he helped that out. And um, what we see here is a lot of Democrats just saying it's not working for everyone. We need to raise minimum wage. We need to increase the unions. Um, we need to, uh, I believe it was Inslee from Washington was saying that we need to really focus on just green energy because that's going to fight climate change as well as going to create more jobs. Now with Inslee, I, we've covered climate change before, but when it comes to climate change, why is this green energy not a good thing? Why is it, why is it not something that we should be jumping onto right now? Well, that's because it causes more jobs to be created. Why does it cause more jobs to be created? Because there's, to produce the same amount of energy from these green energy sources, 
it, it takes a lot more work. It takes a lot more effort. You're actually putting more energy into producing these things that are producing energy than what you receive from them. If you talk about windmills, um, the technology has not advanced enough. We have not developed a, a strong and efficient process in order to produce these things. So if you want to move towards green energy, that's fantastic. You have to be focusing on the, the research and development rather than trying to implement these things and actually driving up the cost like what we saw in Germany. And instead of having people being able to afford the cheaper fuels like your fossil fuels or, I don't know, nuclear power, um, we are instead – they are instead wanting to implement green energy, which means that when your energy bill was, say, 50 bucks, 60 bucks, now it's going to be 120, 130, 140 bucks. It's going to increase because you have to pay for all of the labor that gets into this. You have to pay for the equipment that is going to be providing you your energy. And so the only way to reduce that is to subsidize it. So that means increases on your taxes. When you increase on in sales taxes, increases on, on, um, income taxes, wherever they have to find this money, they're going to be taking it out of you. So want to move to green energy, you're going to have to subsidize it. You're going to have to increase taxes or the, just the outright cost is going to be higher. Fantastic. Beautiful. I love it when Democrats think that this is a good idea. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that um, I apologize for forgetting which individual said it, but um, basically the idea was, was that the economy was not doing great because these giant corporations who've been benefiting from, from the economy as it's been growing. I don't understand how it's not a great economy if it's been great for, for certain aspects, but, um, the point was, was that these giant corporations have one incentive profit. Isn't that the purpose of a business? Are we are we hoping that businesses just don't do anything? What is what are we looking for? What do we what are we trying to do with businesses? Should we be trying to have businesses pushing out there, getting more profit? When you have more profit, you can redistribute your profit, uh, whether it's into more research and development to become more efficient, more effective, be able to produce the same goods at a at a cheaper rate, be able to buy more pay for more labor. So that means more jobs, be able to grow, have more, more businesses, um, be able to reinvest in yourself, buy back stocks, buy, you know, that's the whole purpose of business. Now, how do you obtain more profits? Well, of course you can get the government out of your paychecks, um, taking or taking less taxes out of you, but you can also have a higher customer base. So not only do they have to worry about providing a better good and a better service than others in order to increase their customer base? But they also have to have employees that they take care of. Now, if the employees are, are just satisfied with what they're making and they're not driving to be better and, and they don't advocate for more wages, they may not get it. They may not get it. If you don't ask for something, you don't receive it. Politicians learn this when they go on the campaign trail. If you don't ask for donations, you don't receive it. If you've been working at a at, with an employer for a while and you haven't seen a pay raise in a two years, three years, go ask for it. If you're at the cap, you're at the cap. Either promote, find a new job, or or move elsewhere. You have to you have to look at yourself as a commodity. You have to look at yourself as something valuable. Don't look at yourself as I'm just doing this just to get by. So businesses are there to make a profit. You are going to work and you should be figuring out how you can make a profit. How can I help the business out to where the business will help me out? 
And if you're not doing that, then it's, it's no one is wondering why it is that you're not making more money. They moved on from that. They moved on from the economy. And of course, they went into healthcare. Healthcare is a problem in this country. And I agree. I completely agree with the idea that healthcare is a problem in this country. Now, the Democrats, of course, have got this big spiel where, you know, Medicare for all. Medicare for all has been supported by basically every single person out there. Now, the way that they want to implement it, the way that they want it to, to function and structure, that is really coming down to an individual basis. You have some that were advocating for, um, that were advocating for kind of a, a step-by-step implementation, right? The Affordable Care Act was not close enough to, to getting straight to a single payer to a Medicare for all. Um, so you got to have a couple more steps along the way or, or you can go like the Bernie Sanders route and just go straight dive face first into Medicare for all, remove, remove, uh, private insurance and and just throw everybody on it and then that way we could just force everyone on it we could take all their money and then it could be all free it could be all free once we've increased the wages or in- increased the costs and and taken it from everybody through the threat of violence <clears throat> and the first night uh only elizabeth warren and and uh bill de blasio the the mayor from new york city were in favor of removing uh private health insurance Mm. They were they were in the minority that day. On the second night, I believe it was only one person, and if I believe it was like um, uh, Mayor Mayor Pete Buttigieg or uh, Butt Stuff, in accordance with uh, part of the problem, uh, I believe it was only him that was not in favor of removing private health insurance. Everyone else was like, "Yeah, let's get rid of health insurance. If if we're going to do this, we are going to do this." We're going to force you onto what we want. One of the big stances that they were taking was fighting against big pharma. We have to, we have to control big pharma. We have to control big pharma. And the problem is, is that the government is there propping up big pharma. The government is there propping up health insurance companies. The, the government is there protecting those entities. They're not protecting the consumer and they shouldn't be there protecting the consumer. They should protect the consumer when they've been wronged. But they shouldn't be protecting these organizations. They shouldn't be protecting these providers. How they protect them is by ensuring that they have a government-protected monopoly. When you go, all right, well, I don't have to tell you how much my goods are, my services are. President Trump came through and made an executive order cutting that out. But when you have things like certificate of need, something that's been passed or still remains in 36 states, where you have one provider of 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 healthcare services in a certain market and you have somebody else that says, look, they're not providing it at a very good cost. They're, they're slow. The the quality is lacking. I would like to, to compete against this. I want to compete. They have to go to the government, the government. And then they say, if it pleases the crown, can I help out these people? They're sick. They need my support. They need my help. I can provide services. I can make them better. The government goes, all right, well, they've got the certificate of need right now. Let's see if they want to challenge you. And sure enough, Nobody wants to give up their monopoly. So you, now you got to go through the litigation. You got to go through the court system. You got to fight to get permission to provide health care to other people. Let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of the protections on, uh, let's reduce the, uh, the patents and the copyrights on, on medication. Let's reduce those because that way 
once you once those have expired, then you get the generic brands. Once you get the generic brands, then you know you're spending five ten bucks in order to 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 buy these uh, the medication. That's going to help draw prices. We could do what Bernie Sanders believed in 2016, and I haven't seen him uh, say this in 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 this election campaigning yet, but uh, allow for trading across state lines, even country lines. We do that. You allow for more businesses to compete against one another. You increase your customer base opportunity. And then now you're having to compete against other producers. Who's going to win? You, the consumer. So there's some good things that we could be doing. And and what the Democrats are doing here is they're just saying the problem is, is we don't have enough government. We don't have enough control on these things. We need to incentivize people to get out of these markets. Less people producing by us having more control. That's what we need. The problem is too much government. The solution is not even more government. They also said the old, regurgitated, frustrating line that healthcare is a right. Healthcare is a privilege. Why is healthcare a privilege? Because if you are sitting in the middle of the woods and you scrape your knee, you do not have a right to the service of another in order to provide healthcare to you. If you would like to provide healthcare to yourself, you are more than free to do so. You own your property. You can do with your property as you see fit. Your body is your property. You do what you want to do with it. But healthcare cannot be a human right because if it is a human right, then that means you are forcing, you are forcing by the threat of violence through the government to force doctors to provide healthcare to others. Oh, but they're receiving wages, Jason. They're receiving wages. Um, let's just say that slaves were, were giving some form of wages. They were giving food. They were giving shelter. They were giving the basic necessities. We don't deny that slavery was bad. Nobody denies that slavery was bad. It would not be good to pay them more and still force them into a forced service. It's not a right. Delaney, who was a representative from De- or Maryland, he actually said something that was pretty good. Now, Delaney didn't get very much coverage. He didn't get very much talking times. He only had four questions asked of him. Um, but Delaney was, was, if you look at him, he doesn't look like a very... He doesn't look like somebody that you would you would look to for for like intelligent discussion. And I know I don't I don't look I don't look like that, right? I look like some just trendy hipster, as I've been called, or some redneck douchebag, whatever you guys want to call me. But nonetheless, Delaney came out and he said a lot of things that really piqued my interest. Um, I wanted to learn a little bit more about him, but his big stance when it came to insurance was let's keep insurance. There's a hundred million people that have health insurance in this country that it works for them. Why don't we fix what's broken and leave what's working? This doesn't work for many of the Democrats and, and everyone opposed that. Why? Why do we need to break things that are working? Why do we need to take big, large leaps and change up systems that are working for many people? Well, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you the reason why this is intolerable, why this is unacceptable. And that is because if you do not force everybody onto Medicare for All, as a result, Medicare for All fails. This is the same thing as Affordable Care Act. With Affordable Care Act, there is an inseverable 
portion of that, and that was that if you are not a part of Medicare Affordable Care Act, if you do not have health insurance, there is the individual mandate. If you do not have the individual mandate, there's not enough money, there's not enough revenue in order to keep Affordable Care Act going, which means that the, the cost of everything grows. The same thing happens for Medicare for All. Either everybody has to be on it, you force everybody onto the system, or it's not going to work. And I'm not Medicare for All, right? I don't have trust in the government to do basic functions. I surely don't want to trust them with trying to make sure that healthcare is is working and thriving in our country to ensure that my health is taken care of. I can't trust them to run a police force properly. I can't trust them to uh, operate in wars that are only in our defense. I can't trust them in the education system. I can't trust them to make good financial decisions. I can't trust them in any way, shape, or form. Why would I want to give them health care as well? Mm. So Medicare for All, huge, giant failure. And uh, But, yes, Yes, Tulsi Gabbard is on Medicare for All. She is a a fan of that. Don't text and talk because you'll you'll type what you you'll text what you type. Sorry about that. Um, (coughs) All right. Um, They got to the topic of immigration. This is still on the first night. You guys are still free to call in eight zero two six seven one five three two eight. Um, they got to the point of, of immigration. Um, everybody had their own big things. Uh, Booker wants to end ICE and DACA. Ending ICE has been a big thing for a lot of Democrats. They've been, uh, ever since, I, I believe it was AOC was the first one to come out with this. So ever since a freshman congresswoman comes out and makes that, that move, everyone jumped on board. We have to end ICE because ICE is just, uh, just a, a group of people coming through and just picking up people and throwing them in cages and then throwing them on the other side of the border. Um, and then he also wanted to reinstate DACA. This is something that was espoused by many of the Democrats. Um, if you're, if you believe that coming over as a child is, is grounds for giving you pathway to citizenship, you're a fan of DACA. I'm not, I don't really see DACA as a, a inherently a good thing. I don't know. I, I think immigration is a really destroyed topic by the way that it's been legislated, that it's been controlled and been um, the involvement from both sides just really doesn't make sense on, on any ways. Uh, Castro wants to remove the zero tolerance. So he says, look, you come through the border. We're not going to pick you up inherently. Uh, we don't have to enforce all the laws. We just have to enforce the laws that we agree with. Um, shows, shows just of how, lawlessness some of the democrats are you don't have to abide by laws guys but president trump needs to be upheld to his it it, it really shows this hypocrisy now when it comes to immigration immigration of course is is the one thing that gets people fired up right if you're on the right you know that this is that thing that gets everyone fired up fired up riled up and, and ready to go um you know people coming across the border illegally without being invited into this country and coming in in here and and being subsidized or being able to be a benefit of your taxpayer dollars um it really speaks against the idea of taxation without representation um because they don't represent you um but at the end of the day i think that there's there's 
people that come across this border that come into this country illegally um, and they are purely economic migrants. They're coming here to be good people. They, they, they may not be seeking asylum, but they may be just seeking a better way of life. They may never actually be uh, uh, dependent upon the welfare state. They may never be involved with the war on drugs, which I think would be two big ways of reducing the incentive for people to come here, right? Remove the welfare state, remove the war on drugs, um, and a lot of our foreign policy measures that have driven people to this country. Um, but they could be coming here to, to provide a better life. And I don't, I don't think that an imaginary, imaginary line in the sand is a reason to just throw somebody over it again. Um, commit a crime. I can understand, right? I understand like the whole, you commit a crime, deport you. I, I disagree with the sanctuary cities, right? I disagree with Democrats on that. I disagree with the idea that you come across the border and then now we're going to use violence and throw you out. There, there really is like this weird middle ground. And, and I don't think enough people are, I don't think enough people are free minded enough to, to really acknowledge that and, and to have a rational discussion on it. Um, but that's, that's been one that we've been covering for a while. Um, <coughs> they moved on from there and they went to the Iran war where we covered what Tulsi Gabbard and Ryan did. Um, I put destroyed Ryan. <laughs> um, but when it comes, uh, when it came to the Iran deal, the 2015 Iran deal, the one that President Trump pulled us out of, uh, all the Democrats except for Booker would sign the 2015 Iran deal as it was written. Interesting point there. Interesting to think about how that would be functioning. Um, but that that's what they decided upon. Uh, Bill de Blasio. I have to give props to Bill de Blasio because he actually called out the War Powers Act, the War Powers Act, um, and he called them for uh, all the conflicts that presidents have gotten us involved in and not following through on on the uh, the criteria of the War Powers Act. And so, therefore, there's been a lot of unconstitutional actions being uh, committed by the president of the United States. Of course, he was using this uh, to target President Trump, but... Um, I like the principle there. I like it. I wish that he would expand it and actually utilize it across the board. But um, that's been something that I've been calling for it to be revoked because even the War Powers Act passed by Congress is unconstitutional. The idea that the government can tell the government that the government can do what the government wants to, not in accordance with what the, the supreme law of the land, the, the Constitution just see, just screams unconstitutionality to anyone who actually cares about the document. Um, the idea that Article One, Section Eight, which is the portion that allows for Congress to declare wars and write letters of marquee, leads you into Article Two, Section Two, where when called into service, i.e., when when war is declared, the president then becomes the commander in chief and and com, uh, commands the military. Uh, whether it's the Army or the Navy. Uh, Air Force obviously wasn't made back then. And to be able to utilize them in war unrestricted within the confinements of, of the Declaration of War, that's that's the constitutionality there, right? Once called into service, the president then can utilize military force. The reason why that's supreme is Article 6, sec, uh, the second clause, where it says the Constitution and the laws and the pursuance thereof on the Supreme Law of the Land. So this War Powers Act, 
the uh, the uh, mil or authorized use of military force from 2002. Uh, both of those things are unconstitutional. They allow for the, the president of the United States to utilize the military in not defensive measures um, and non-defensive measures uh, against foreign entities. And even then, the War Powers Act and the authorized use of military force, neither one of those have been adhered to in even the requirements that they have allowed. So I think it would be a hoove of of Congress to actually revoke those acts and actually hold presidents accountable in the future. Uh, Amy Klobuchar uh, actually called for President Trump to go to Congress about Iran. She says that they need to actually, he needs to address Congress. Now, what we saw with, with Trump, and if you guys managed to forget this with Iran, uh, he did call the military strike and he called it off. Uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were cheering, were happy, were ecstatic about the uh, the idea that Trump was going to be bombing Iran. Uh, we aren't sure exactly why. I, my my opinions, my thoughts, my conspiracy on this is that they were excited to see President Trump break one of his promises to get us involved in, in another war into another conflict in the Middle East. And as a result, they finally got to, quote unquote, break Trump. Well, after they had left, Trump calls off the attack. But the thing is that President Trump had never actually gotten Congress's approval. Now you can say, well, they shot down one of our drones, Jason. Jason, they shot down one of our drones. Not good enough. Because even one of the administration or one of the officials within the Trump administration after the event had said that there was questions on if the drone had ever entered into Iranian airspace? Should it have gone into the Iranian airspace and then left and was out there 21 miles in accordance with what the media and the government says it was when it was shot down? It had still violated and still had ruined uh, and, and, and infringed upon the sovereignty of Iran. So they would be justified in taking down an unmanned drone. So with the facts laid out, there really isn't an argument for President Trump to get involved over there. He needs to have congressional approval. I don't care whether whether the drone was in the airspace or not. When you want to spy upon a political enemy, not even an actual enemy, just a political enemy, you need to have congressional approval um, before you before you get involved over there. Um, I'm going to wrap up the first day of interviews or debate. Um, and and what I did was when I when I listened to the closing arguments, I only listened to them one time. But I wanted to I, I wrote down all the big takeaways of what what all of these Democratic candidates were supporting, what they what they believed would be their big mot- motto in order to push them um, through the primaries and into the general. Well, Delaney said that he wanted to have real expectations. Right. You don't want to put out promises like you're going to end the federal uh, the federal debt by the end of of your second term. Right. You want to have something that's realistic. You want to have something that that's achievable. Um, That's something that Delaney was talking about throughout the entire night. Uh, Bill de Blasio was talking about how he's going to help make the economy better. He was going to reduce and defeat poverty by implementing a fifteen dollar minimum wage. So if you guys are a fan of, of 
hurting people and preventing them from getting jobs because they're not worth $15 an hour. If you want to increase the rate in which automation um, is has a demand, then uh, Bill de Blasio is the man for you. Uh, Inslee from Washington State, he continued. He said that uh, early on in the debate that uh, his first, second, and third priority was climate change, and his closing argument coincided with that as well. Uh, Ryan said that he basically... Um, Ryan, coming from the, the heart of America, if you will, said that he wants to bring everyone together, that he actually wants to unite the country and he actually wants to uh, remember those who have been forgotten that are still here in this country. Right. He's not he's not speaking to the to the uh, to those in Arlington Cemetery, but he's talking about the forgotten people in this country. And, and certainly that was something that Trump had talked about during his uh, campaigning. So there's there's. There's good there, right? That calling to unite people, that's a good message. I think that outside of the Democrats, outside of the far left, there's been um, some uniting in this country since President Trump came into office. Um, But there can always be more uniting for sure. Um, Tulsi Gabbard, of course, talked about getting us out of conflicts, getting us out of, of foreign wars. And she said, peace, prosperity, and justice for all. Beautiful. Uh, Castro said uh, he spoke some Spanish finally. That, that was the one thing that, that I did forget to cover. Uh, Beto, Booker, they were speaking Spanish, but Castro in his final closing argument uh, hit up that Spanish book and he started speaking, even though he is the only one that um, he was the only one that I believe that that's his native language. Um, but he said he was basically proud of his heritage and said goodbye to Trump. So if you guys want somebody that's going to come into office to speak Spanish to you, Castro is the man for you. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, she said that she did a bunch of things in the Senate and that she has integrity. So vote for her. Good talk. Uh, Cory Booker said he basically look at the, com- the community that I came from. Look at my heritage. Look where I came from. I'm a good guy. We need to get back to the country's roots. So he's all about the identity. Um, Elizabeth Warren, she basically said, I had a pity story. I had a a hard growing up. I struggled. And as a result, I will fight for you. And I listened to, I I listened to Beto. Francis Beto O'Rourke. Francis Robert O'Rourke. And his closing statement was so impactful to me. It it really pulled on my heartstrings that I could only think of two words to summarize the entire thing. And it was just a giant word salad. It was just a word salad. There was a bunch of words in there. They could have pulled on somebody's heartstrings. They certainly didn't pull on mine. But uh, he he was there to to do something, say something. And and he said a bunch of things. Fantastic. Good job, Vito. I think I really think you you failed that right after running for the Senate and now running on the presidential campaign trail. You would think that you would have a good closing argument. Didn't really have. (sighs) All right. All right. Thank you guys all for, for sharing this out. I'm, I'm seeing the notifications. Thank you guys for the retweets, for the shares, for everything else. Uh, we're about to get ra- or get caught up in the second day. Um, the second day of, uh, of debates from last night. 
Um, thank you guys all for the support. Appreciate you all. Yeah, let me cover it. No, I'm not going to cover it myself. I'll put it over there. Um, I'll leave it where it was. Thank you guys all for, for coming in tonight. Hopefully you guys are, are seeing something different. If I'm missing stuff, feel free to call in. Always do. I realize. Is that include the peanut gallery? Huh? Does that include the peanut gallery? No, that does not include the peanut gallery. But, because um, I know I know we're hitting on this pretty brief, although we, we've been going at it for 40 minutes on just the one topic. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that you guys have your own thoughts, your own insights, and, and feel free to drop those in on us. Um, I can't even get my, my thing to load anymore. But for last night's debate, the lineup of, of the, the second 10, right, where you had Kamala Harris, you had uh, Joe Biden, you had Buddha Judge, you had uh, you had Andrew Yang. That was fantastic. Um, you had a lot of a lot of people. Um, you had ten more crazy loons, right? You had you had Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Mm. Fantastic time. Um, it was interesting, right? It was interesting because the first night there was a lot of. There was a lot of discussions and answering of questions. The second night, what we saw more of was more attacking one another. And um, Joe Biden received a lot of backlash. And, and certainly you guys are going to be getting this from a lot of your other commentators, which is why I'm not going to hit it too heavily. We're not going to stick on this for very long. Um, but <clears throat> Joe Biden had said something and a bunch of other uh, candidates wanted to start talking over one another to try to get their time in. And uh, I thought that this was very telling of what the Democrats feel because Kamala Harris got called out by the moderators to answer the next question. And she said, America doesn't want to see a food fight. They want to know how we will put food on their table. Can I get a show of hands? Can can you guys drop a one? Can you guys put something in the comment section? If you are wondering how the government is going to put food on your table, can can anybody tell me that they are honestly waiting for somebody else, waiting for somebody else to put something on their table for them? Or are you going to go out and do it yourself? So Kamala Harris believes that it is the government's duty to provide for you, to nurture for you, to put food on your table, to put food in your bellies, water down your throats, and everything else, and hopefully not in a, a torturing way. But I think that this is really the telling difference between the Democrats and, and those who enjoy liberty. Government is there to protect and not provide, not to put food on the table. That is your job. That is your role in life. But Kamala Harris doesn't care. Uh, throughout the night, Joe Biden was making sure that everybody knew that he was a part of the Obama administration. He was taking he was taking responsibility for some things that were passed um, as a collective, right? So things that the Obama administration had passed um, with maybe with some of his support, maybe with some of his help. But as the vice president, he really doesn't have much control. Um, he was taking a lot of of responsibility for those things. And, and it was beautiful to see 
Democrats. It was beautiful to see Democrats really provide some pushback against what Obama had done or what Joe Biden had done while in office. Um, I, I felt like he was the um, because he was leading in the polls coming into this, that everybody, everybody was going after Joe Biden and um, really knocked him down a bunch of polls. Kamala Harris had a really heated dispute with him and basically said that he was not supportive of, of people of color because he supported racist people, that he uh, didn't support busing. And she she brought out her sob story. Uh, <clears throat> you had Eric Swalwell, uh, Mr. Newcomal. He went after Joe Biden and said, basically, Joe Biden, when he was six years old, when Eric Swalwell was six years old, that uh, Joe Biden said that he needed to, that they needed to hand off the torch to the next generation and said that they needed to do it right then and there. And Joe Biden was like, oh, I was uh, just talking then and now I'm going to keep this torch. I'm going to keep touching it. I'm going to keep touching it like the little girls that I love to touch on on the media. Um Everyone was going after him. Nobody was really going after Bernie Sanders, but Bernie Sanders was doing enough last night. Um, to to really just show that he is a broken record. He is a broken record in the way that every single time it seemed like he was talking, he said, let's push Medicare, let's fight against Big Pharma, let's fight against the big companies, let's fight against the people that, that have all of this wealth, and that's it. We just need to redistribute the wealth. We just need to redistribute a bunch of stuff, and that's what's going to fix this country. We just need to redistribute the money. And so he kind of took himself out of relevance on his own. So Bernie Sanders, I think that that poll really did hurt or uh, the, the debate last night hurt him and, and good for him. Thank you, America for, for not buying into that entirely. Yes. I'm looking at you, Bernie bros that are still on board with the Bernie. I want to feel the burn. Get a reality check, get checked out, bro. Um, but But they also were asked very similar questions. The economy, 70 Americans, 70% of Americans believe in it, but even the second 10 of the Democrats all said that the economy is not good for the American people. We need to do more. We need to control more. We need to regulate more. We need to prevent you from having more of your money. We need to implement things that are going to cost more money, and we're not going to tell you how much it's going to cost you. But Bernie Sanders at least came out and said, yes, you will be paying more for Medicare for all. He said, yes, you will see an increase in your taxes, but what you receive is free. Free. Nobody's buying it, Bernie. And when it comes to that, when it comes to that idea, I... The Democrats are notorious for this. We want to raise the taxes. We want to raise the taxes on the 1% until I'm a part of the 1%, Bernie Sanders. And then I want to raise it on the 0.1%. I want to raise it on the people that are doing better than me. But at the same time, regardless of how good I'm doing, I will never volunteer another penny, a penny more than what I'm required to. And uh, Bernie Sanders has certainly shown that that is the way he wants to live his life, while also providing very, very little in contributions to charities and donation centers, right? About 3% of his, uh, of his tax returns that he released showed that he was not giving in any way, but he's willing to fight to take your money away from you. What a good virtue signal he is. Um, it also came up in the second night because we had two people that were in favor of universal basic income. You have Andrew Yang who got called out by the moderators. It was beautiful. Andrew Yang who has been a fan of $1,000 for every adult in this country, no questions asked, each month 
for as long as you live. So that's $12,000 a year. The cost of that would be uh, $3.2 trillion a year. $3.2 trillion. That is about what the federal government gains in revenue. Insane amount of money. And, and the moderator really put him on his heels by saying, how are you going to pay for that? And Andrew Yang, with the smart wizardry that he is, he says, well, we're going to have a VAT tax. So when you buy things, you're going to get taxed. And then that money that you get taxed is going to go back in to paying you. Hmm, that makes sense. So you're paying for yourself to get paid. It makes sense. Um, now, when it comes to that, right, the, the whole idea is that the more rich that you are, the more that you're going to spend, the more that you're going to, um, the more that that tax is going to be applicable. And so you're going to redistribute that down. That's all that that really is. But the problem is, is that those on the lower end of the spectrum, the lower end of the economic scale, they spend more of their income. They spend more of their income on buying food, on buying um, things in order to sustain their lives rather than the luxury in life. There's a lot less savings that are going on there. And so a higher percentage of their money will be going towards this VAT tax as opposed to the, the rich, who if you know that you have a temporary system that is going to be costing you even more, you're probably going to be more likely to save it up and, and that's more possible at the top. So even his system doesn't doesn't pass the math test. And he got called out and that was beautiful. Um, Kamala Harris is the other individual that is in favor of a universal basic income, but she's saying for people for households that are making less than a hundred thousand dollars. And instead of a thousand dollars, it's gonna be five hundred. So it's a nice incremental step in between. She's in favor of redistributing wealth and she's very open about that. Redistribution of wealth does not make – there's no Keynesian economics that actually works. There's no broken window fallacy that, that holds true, that rings true, um, and Kamala Harris is just pushing for ridiculousness. Um, I'm literally the peanut gallery. Thanks, Jacob. I appreciate you, bro. Um, <coughs> I just – there's not a single economist out there that supports the idea of a universal basic income. No matter how eloquent somebody is, no matter how well somebody tries to guise this up and, and make it seem like it's it's going to make our economy boom and grow, it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Even even Andrew Yang, who broke out the numbers, remember, it's $3 trillion. $3 trillion that is going to be spent from the government to, to send back to the people. He said it's going to grow Grow the economy by $900 billion. So less than a third. So what you're saying is you're going to chop down the economy by a third. Sounds fantastic. Thank you, Andrew Yang. Um, they also got into to education. And, and I got to give a shout out to Spike Cohen. If you're still out there in the comment section, thank you for being there. Um, but... Joe Biden and a bunch of the Democrats throughout the debate have been calling for basically socializing or nationalizing our, our college system, right? We need to have 17 years of college, of schooling paid for by the government, right? You, 
they pay for kindergarten, they pay for K through 12. Um, and then they need to pay the last four years or plus, right? Regardless of, of why you're in school, how long you've been in school, the government should be there and they should be paying for you and helping you sustain and, and continuing on with your life. Joe Biden was kind of one of the more conservative people on this, and he said that families who make less than $25,000 should be getting free education. What's interesting is that Joe Biden is also a fan of $15 minimum wage, which if you get paid $15 minimum wage, one person, that's $31,000. So Joe Biden basically says, look, if you're working, you have to pay for it. If you're not working, free college. literally trying to give you a freebie. I don't want to work so I can get free college. Thanks, Joe Biden. I'm sure that free handout won't be, won't be exhaustively used. It will not be depleted and will somehow find a way to make a benefit out of it. But the reason why I had to call out Spike on this was that Spike made a, a beautiful post the other day. And basically it was like, you know, those socialists that are pushing for 17 years of of school, they're wrong because we only need 13 years of school paid for by the government. Right? And of course, his was tongue-in-cheek because if you're still advocating for 13 years, you're still advocating for the government to pay for your education, to have control because when the when the government has ties and control over uh, when, it, when it gives you funding, it has control. It can manipulate and handle the the market in which they're involved with and so when they have control over your education system you have the results that we have now education is getting worse and worse by the year every year it gets worse common core is becoming more common people are doing worse off the education standards are slipping people meeting those expectations that are slipping those are also slipping I know what we need. We just need more government. More of the same problem will result in a worse problem. And of course, they they did, of course, on the second night also have to cover climate change. Many people uh, said that that was the, the big geopolitical uh, problem of this country. And everybody had different definitions of when the problem was going to be the most uh, advantageous or uh, put the country closer to destruction. Uh, some people said 12 years. Some people said, um, some people said 2050. Everyone had kind of this weird ambiguous line that was moving and, and uh, it was just transitioning all around. And it really does show that there's no cohesiveness, right? This is why whenever the left and, and people talk about 97% of scientists agree on, on climate change, they agree that the climate is changing. I, nobody's denying that. The problem is, is that the the severity and the, the the you know the severity of this that is where everyone disagrees on. Everybody disagrees on that. There there is obviously conditions out there that are growing that are changing, and and this problem will eventually be a much bigger problem than it is today. Where when that happens. Nobody really knows. There's a lot of projections and a lot of projections that have been made or have already been disproven because we passed those times. And uh, it just shows that as pro-science as the left is, uh, it's another one of those stances that they're not. They really aren't. They're 
just whatever I believe, whatever I feel, that's what it's got to be. Uh, this one scientist said this one thing, so that scientist is obviously right. There's no, there's no checks and balances on this, and uh, if, it's just horrible. Um, I think overall, because everybody's always interested, who do you think won the debates? Right. I remember from the 2016 presidential uh, election. Right. You had the first, the first debate. Hillary Clinton won, and then you had uh, President Trump win the, the the final two. From the first night, who won the presidential uh, Democratic debates? Uh, Elizabeth Warren managed to make herself look decent, um, but that's because she had the second most questions at, at eight questions. Cory Brooker had ten. Um, she she made herself look decent. Amy Klobuchar, being kind of the moderate out there, she made herself look decently. Um, for the biggest hit, Tulsi Gabbard, right? Tulsi Gabbard, you got to give her props for uh, really hitting Ryan uh, early on in that. But uh, I, I'm i leaning towards Elizabeth Warren winning on that one. Um, I know that Tulsi Gabbard had, had, had some, some pretty big jumps. Um, I actually have a, a, actually have a poll from, I believe it was the Huffington Post. And they explained uh, some of the jumps. So Kamala Harris went up. Oh, this is from Unbiased America. Uh, Kamala Harris went up about 11%, up to 24%. Joe Biden went down 8.9%. Like I said, he got hit pretty hard. Uh, down to 19.2%. Uh, so Kamala Harris is in first place. Uh, Joe Biden, second place, 192 Elizabeth Warren went up 0.4%, up to, oh, here, actually. Let's just make that easy. So Kamala Harris, first place, Joe Biden, second, Elizabeth Warren, 16.1%, moving up 0.4%. Uh, Pete Buttigieg went up to 116 He has now jumped over Bernie Sanders. So this was from Unbiased America. And uh, so the, the big jump was from Kamala Harris jumping up, uh, Joe Biden sliding down to second place, and Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg swapping places. Um, from the second night, I th- I was really impressed with Pete Buttigieg and the way that he was eloquent. With the way that he was talking, um, it definitely was was nice. And there was there's a bit of humility about Pete Buttigieg. I think that he really portrayed portrayed himself well. Um, I disagreed on on a lot of his politics, of course. Um, but even despite that, even despite his his eloquism and uh, his only slight jump in the polls. I really think that he was one of the one of the big winners there. I think Kamala Harris with her emotional outrage, really grabbing on to to the the heartstrings of of Americans. You know, she she won some points there. Even though even though like I said, I'm not going to get into it. Even though she contradicted herself in her stances of the past, um, it, it was a huge. It was a big day for some of them, and and Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders both kind of uh, took big hits. There was people like Eric Swalwell that were trying to be relevant, trying to trying to be like, look at me, camera, get on me, because they weren't getting very many questions. But uh, Eric Swalwell just made himself look even more ridiculous than what he already was. Um, I'm sure that in the back of his mind, he was like, can I nuke these people too? Can I? What can I do here? Uh, because I have to do something. Um, yeah, so second night, Pete Buttigieg, 
Kamala Harris. I, I, I think that they would be the, the two winners, if you will, um, from my from my end and my thoughts. Um, I want to leave you guys with this. Actually, we'll do two two quick stories on on from this debate, and then I'm going to finish up with the uh, with one quick story, and then we'll we'll wrap this up for the night. It's it's a jam packed filled show tonight, boys and girls. Um, <clears throat> from the Libertarian Republic, they actually wrote a list of the Democratic free proposals. Uh, Democrats never seem to give credit to free roads, free firemen, free police, free education, or our free military. When you call 911 after your house was robbed or when it's on fire, people come to address the issue and never send you an itemized bill. When you send your kids off to K-12, through the most you have to directly contribute is school supplies. When using non-toll roads, you're driving on something that took no money to create and maintain whatsoever, right? If the above examples seem absurd, given how much we actually pay for the military, the police, the courts, the roads, the, and the education system, you may have some ideas as to why eyes do the RDJ gloss over every time a politician describes the some program they're trying to bribe voters with as free. And that's what it is. It's just a bribe. But... This isn't an exhaustive list, but here was a list of what Democrats would like to ensure that you get for free. They want to give you college, childcare, healthcare, drugs, alternative energy, debt, raises, subsidies, benefits, sick days, pre-K, doubling the EIC, family leave, certain lending, abortions, foreign aid, mental health counseling, resiliency, Agriculture, sea walls, reparations, military engagements, infrastructure, out, art, housing, increase to current entitlement programs, and money for everyone monthly just because. What a giving group of people they are. It's not coming out of their wallets, it's coming out of yours. Thank you, Democrats. I appreciate that. And the last thing we're going to cover with the night was that Andrew Yang said that his microphone from the second night was not on at times during the Democratic debate. Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang claimed his microphone was not on a few times when he attempted to jump in during the Thursday night's Democratic debate. There's also a few times, for your information, where I just started talking, being like, hey, I want to add something there. And my mic was not on. And it's this sort of thing where it's not like you started talking. It takes over the conversation. It's it's like I was talking, but nothing was happening. And I was like, oh, F. So that happened a bit, too. So Andrew Yang, somebody who uh, didn't shine in the light, also didn't get his microphone. Maybe he would have shined a little bit better. Maybe maybe he would have made a, a bigger fool of himself. Um, but I think that, that that really speaks to potential of the DNC still being up to DNC things and, and really pushing one way or the other on which candidates they want to see be successful and which ones they do not. All right. Last article, last top topic we're going to cover for the night, and then we're going to bounce out of here and uh, enjoy our weekend. So the Charlottesville attacker, a man who was driving the Dodge Challenger uh, into the crowd of, dem- uh, of demonstrators, James Field Jr., was sentenced Friday for the killing of Heather, of Heather Heyer. He was sentenced to life in prison. He apologized in court before receiving a sentence, according to the Associated Press, and he had pled guilty to federal hate crime charges, and he will be um, <clears throat> he will still be sentenced next month on state charges. 
So this was from back in 2017, of course, Charlottesville, where uh, the media and Democrats have wrongly claimed that Trump said that there was good uh, good people on both sides and, and trying to say that, you know, white nationalists, he was saying they were good people. You know, we, we've seen that that quote come out of context plenty of times. But uh, James Field admitting that this was him. Um, having film of him doing it, going to prison for life. Now, many people are calling for his death. And if it didn't cost so much, this would be one of those situations where I don't think it would necessarily be the worst idea if we could do it in a way that was cost effective. And I, I have to, I have to stand here and say if it was cost effective because the way that the state does executions the way that they push through that uh the cost to the taxpayer to do this it would actually be cheaper to leave him in jail for the rest of his life potentially we could have where somebody takes care of the taxpayer and uh takes care of the situation while in jail and maybe maybe that's the way that we go but uh with that guys i'm gonna wrap up the show i i appreciate you all for coming in tonight um Um, I appreciate you all for being here, for coming in, for sharing this out, for supporting Muddy Waters Media. And remember, you can find us on Facebook, on YouTube, Twitter, Periscope, and of course on your favorite podcast app and take us on the go. You can find all these, uh, this episode and all of our previous episodes on muddywatersoffreedom.com. And uh, make sure you guys uh, don't drink and drive or ride with those who do. You have family and friends who care about you and love you deeply, and they want to see you get back here safe and sound to start the whole week all over again with me, Mr. Merka, the Bearded Truth, Jason Lyon, on Monday night. So be safe, be well, and I'll see you guys Monday. Have a good one.